Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from Horizon West Church. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at horizonwestchurch.com. And if you're in the Horizon West area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now enjoy this podcast from Horizon West Church. How's everybody doing? All right, we're going to have to do a little bit more than that. How's everybody doing? <laughs> All right. Um, if you were in one of the ladies' groups uh, the last, the first couple of weeks, you will know, um, and you can lead the group in talking to me because you know I like to talk people to people. You know what I'm saying? I like to talk to people. I like to have a little fun. So how was everybody's week? Uh, that was lame. <laughs> Try one more time. How was everybody's week? Yes. Here we go. Everybody's awake. Awesome. I had two shots of coffee this morning, so uh, espresso. So just be warm. Um, but I'm so glad to be here with you today. William and I, our family, had a great week this week. On Wednesday, we did what we normally do, and we put the kids to bed at 7 p.m. And at 7:01, we put on our pajamas, we dimmed the lights, we got our snacks, and we turned on. Married at first sight. <laughs> we're lame. Don't tell anybody that doesn't leave this room. Shut the cameras off. Nobody knows. And as we were sitting there, we're watching for a few hours. I had my computer up and I was kind of looking through some things for today's message. And uh, all of a sudden, on my computer screen, a what is it called? FaceTime pops up. And it comes on my phone too. And both of them pop up. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. You know, nobody FaceTimes without texting you first. Like, that's so weird. It's like intrusive. Like, coming into my home at 9 p.m. at night, who would dare? That's like knocking on your door without calling ahead of time. Who does that anymore? Right? Who does that? Some of you all do that. That's why you're not laughing. You're like, I show up all the time. I show up all the time. No, the reality is, like, when somebody calls me on FaceTime, it's my mom. And she's usually calling to talk to my kids. She'll be like, where's the kids? She doesn't want to talk to me. She wants to go directly to the kids. I'm like, I get it. I'm squash dog meat now. And the kids are all that matter. But tonight, it was like 9 something p.m. And all of a sudden, someone's FaceTiming. I go, it's a two number. So I look at William. I'm like, is that from Nigeria? Could it be your family? And he goes, no, that's not Nigeria. And I'm like, wait a minute. There's like multiple numbers here. And we're like, that's weird. So he's like, let me see your phone. And he turns it on. He's kind of looking. Of course, it shows up as FaceTime. So he's looking, like making, what is going on? I look over trying to make sure nobody sees my face. I'm like, what is, who is this? And we're like, hello. I hear somebody say, hi, Shiloh. And I'm like, they know me. There's like multiple avatars and no faces. And I hear lots of noise. I hear some giggles. I see a little bit of curly hair and I hear my name. And William's like, hello, hello, hello. And nobody says anything, so we hang up. Like it must be a prank call. Maybe it was a wrong number. Like I don't know what that is. But there was like 20 people on that call. And so we keep going back. We turn on our married at first sight and all of a sudden it happens again. They call back and we're like, Okay, could it been like, I don't know, what is it? So we turn it on and William's looking at it and we're like, hello, hello. And there's lots of giggles, a little bit of talking back and forth. We hear some names and we're like, what is going on? So we shut it off. We're like, this is weird. It must be a prank call. They'll get tired of it. And about another minute later, I get a text message with a screenshot of my husband's face like this. (laughs) To all 20 of the callers. And I am like, oh no. They have our personal information. 
this is like fraud. They are trying to get something out of us. They'll probably get our social security numbers next, and then we'll be bankrupt. Like, we have to figure out who this is. So I screenshot whoever sent the, the number, and I'm like, William, I know what's happening. We are being catfished. And he's like, what? I'm like, call MTV, get Neve on the phone right now. We need to find out who this is. And he's like, what? And I'm like, I got the number. And I am p- p- pushing it into Google. And William's like, let me just block him. So he's going through, he's blocking like 20 numbers. Block, 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 block. And I am like, over here, hold on. I'm going to get it. I'm going to figure it out. And he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, getting my credit card. He's like, why? I'm like, it's 95 cents to figure out who it is. He's like, what? I'm like, 95 cents, William. We are going to win. I put in my, 95, my credit card, 95 cents. They're calling back, call. We block, call, block, call, block, call, block. And we're like, we're gonna win, we're gonna win. You better watch out, we're gonna win, right? All of a sudden, it spins, right? Who's the number, who's the number? And a name pops up. And I go, I know this person. <laughs> and I'm thinking back and I'm going, okay, all the little conversations that were happening, one of the names that popped up is the name of a child of this name. And I go, William, we've won. (laughs) They call back, I'm like, turn it on, point it to the ceiling. And they're like, hello, hello? All these voices, I think the lady's on. I think the lady's on, hello, hello? And I'm like, hello, Tina. And they're like, quiet, Suarez, real quiet. A male voice comes on, we don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) I'm like, oh yes you do, and we are old folks. It is 9 something p.m. and while I love prank calling, I used to do it too when I was a child, um, could you please call someone else and bother them at 9 something at night? We're old and we'd like to go to bed. We hang up the phone. William, we've won. (laughs) They called back. (sighs) So they call back, we deny. Call back, deny, call back, deny, over and over. I mean, by this time, it's like 473.4 million times. I'm telling you, it's getting annoying. And all of a sudden, I realize, William, we are not victims. We took a leadership class the other day. We are not victims. Let's retell this story. We are victors. How do we win? And of course, we bond together as a team in a married unit, and we go, this is how we win in our lives. No, I'm kidding. He was an innocent bystander. I was leading the charge leading the charge, and I, I, take, I take the number, I look at who it is, I'm like, I'm gonna text their mama, and I send a screenshot of the, what's happening. Nothing happens, they keep calling, they keep calling. So finally we pick up, we turn it towards the ceiling, and I'm like, William, shh, quiet. And they're like, hello, hello? What's happening, you guys, what's happening? What's, what's going on, is she on there, is she on there? I'm like, William, wait it out, shh. Teenagers can't stand silence, just wait. And slowly like 40 numbers go down to 20, go down to 10, go down to one, and it's me and one other guy. He's like, hello, 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 and then it's just me. And I'm like, William, we've won. And then they called back. And we did this three other times until they realized They can't stand silence on the phone, so they decided a second mechanism, and they decided to text me a million times with blank text messages. Blank, 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 text. Boom, boom, beep, beep, beep. Like, my phone is blaring, and I am like, are you kidding me? Married at first sight is waiting. So I decide whoever sent that number, I just paid 95 cents for a a prescription. (laughs) That would be a good prescription, huh? A subscription. And I took their number, and I find out who that person is. I'm like, oh, Victoria. 
I screenshot her name, slide it softly with the dozens of, it was a national, like there was people in New Jersey, California. I'm like, I don't know if this is like a mob prank, but I will turn it on your head. And I put that screenshot right into the little, you know, group text, and all of a sudden it got quiet. And then it kept going, and over and over. So I'm like, oh, I scroll down, I find their name, their location, their Facebook page. I'm like, screenshot, slide it in there again. You think it's funny, but all your friends you just met are about to find your location, and they will do it to you too. <laughs> and they stopped. So we won. It is official. Welcome to the last in the series of One Another, where we talk about biblical hospitality, welcoming strangers into your home. You're welcome. You can go home now. <laughs> I'm just teasing. We have had an awesome series, and um, the pastors, Pastor Chris and Pastor William, have done an excellent example and job of pulling apart different pieces of how we take this vertical uh, love of Jesus and spread it horizontally to those around us and begin to reflect the love of God onto those, uh, to others. Second Peter is where, I'm sorry, First Peter is where we're gonna to spend today. First Peter 4, eight through 10. I'm gonna read this and then we're gonna go back into a little bit of the history and the context and we're gonna break apart what does this idea of biblical hospitality actually mean? Does it mean that we are, uh, you know, the perfect uh, decorators and we make the perfect food and the perfect, uh, you know, squash potato salad and we have the Joanna Gaines farmhouse table and Martha Stewart's life and Pinterest perfect everything? Like, no, because that gives me anxiety. I will get you Publix chicken and y'all better like it, Okay. Thank you. You'll like it. That's right. That's right. Publix chicken. So actually, we're tired of it by now. We might get you like Publix like potato salad or something. Uh, but this is an awesome way to be hospitable. It's the best parties, the who's going to be wild one this year. It's the pressure of being perfect and having the perfectly manicured yard and all of that. And is this hospitality? Some bits of it, right? But just like the world and culture and humans, we tend to kind of mess it up along the way, right? And we get this anxiousness and anxiety like, I can't, I can't, uh, you know, have people over because the kids aren't perfect enough and the table's not set enough and, you know, and this is my space and my sacred home and I don't want people to mob prank call me because this is my sanctuary kind of attitude, right? And what does the Bible say? It's a little different, it's slightly different. And what we're gonna do today is return to what the gospel says about biblical hospitality. So let's read 1 Timothy 4, two, I'm sorry, eight through 10. And you know what, we'll do it right here because my version is a little bit different than this. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. I love this. I'm going to stop at that verse real quick. Oh, actually, let me read through the whole thing. You're right. Thank you. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Now, before I pick this apart verse by verse, we're going to go back to 1 Peter 1.1. 1, 1. That's going to tell us a little bit more about who the author is, what this book, who this book is written to, and the time and period in which it was written. And it's really important for us to know this because we could take any scripture and we could pull it out of context and it means something totally different than what it was originally intended to mean. So this book in 1 Peter 1.1 tells us that it's written 
by Peter. To those who reside as strangers scattered throughout, and it gives you several different places, which I will butcher, who are chosen. And mine says, um, in the beginning of that, it says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus, to those who reside as aliens. So uh, Peter is the author. He's an apostle of Jesus Christ, okay? And who he's written to is right here, it says strangers. In my version, NASB, it says aliens. This also means foreigners, people who've been displaced by something. And then it goes on in certain lands, and then it says who are chosen. So it's written to Christians who've been scattered among different lands and feel uncomfortable in places and spaces that they didn't originate from, okay? So that's really important for us to stand, understand the context behind this being written. And the time period is right about that time there had been a few different persecutions of Christians, not a time but a few. And so they were kind of scattering to find protection because they weren't sure what was going to happen. And what they didn't know, but we know standing this far back and hindsight is 2020, is that they're about to see a ton of persecutions after this. So Peter is creating this letter to them to encourage them and also to disciple them. Because once you meet Jesus, sometimes you still need to know kind of the ropes. What does it look like to follow this man? I found my hope in him, but this God-man leads us into a lifestyle that's transformed. And so he begins to share what that looks like and give them a picture of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. And then in verse, or chapter four, verse eight, let's head back to that. It says, above all. So basically, I've given you this huge picture of all the different ways in which we are to look like this man, Jesus. We are called Christ followers, but above all of that, keep fervent in your love. This one says earnestly. They're the same word, earnestly and fervent. And the reason this is so important is because this word tells us what we're going to be doing. We're going to earnestly love one another, right? So if you see these people who are scattered in a land where they're feeling uncomfortable, I don't know about you, but when I get uncomfortable, I start to want to protect me, myself, and I, and my own, right? Like, this is my sanctuary. This is my home. Nobody comes in and out. The news isn't on. Like, we are dimming the lights and creating our sweet space in our own place, right? Because the more you feel persecuted, the more you feel uncomfortable, the more you want to protect. And he's talking to people in this situation. He's saying, don't forget, above everything, you have to keep loving. Fervently, earnestly, this word means several things. It, it, it kind of, the, the original Greek uh, tends to bring this meaning of intensity, intense, continual stretching out, it says, so as Christ followers, our love can't just be love one another, have people over for a Joanna Gaines nice dinner farmhouse table kind of thing, but Christian love is different. Christian love is stretching. Christian love is one that's continual, right? And there's another piece of this word that actually this word fervent or earnestly also means um, to let down an anchor from a ship, now, I don't know about you, but I am not a sailor. I was not aware of a lot of the things of what an anchor does and what it is, so I did a little research. And what I found out is that when you let down an anchor of a ship, the purpose of an anchor is to, yes, keep a ship steady, but also to help it not drift when the waters drift, okay? So he's basically saying to stabilize yourself as a Christ follower, Stay rooted in stretching, uncomfortable love. Because it's easy for anybody to love their friends, right? Right? That's not anything new. That's kind of the world's thing. Like, I have people over every Friday night, you know? Like, but what is different about a Jesus kind of love? A Jesus kind of love is one where people are like, 
that person keeps inviting weird people to their house. You know what I'm saying? Nobody's going to stop and be like, every Friday night they're having parties at their house. They must love Jesus. No, but they're going to stop and be like, that house over there like, invites a bunch of Muslims over every week. And then the next night they had like, a bunch of people that were drinking over. And then the next night they had, I don't know what that group was like, but they were like, you know, the, it's the weirdness, it's the oddness, it's the strangeness of in people that are different. I know those people are super Republican and they had the Democrats over. You know? It's the strangeness, it's the oddness, it's the stretching, you know? This, this idea of an anchor when a ship is going one direction, when the, when the, actually when the, t- the, the drift is going one direction, you can't just let down an anchor. You have to actually let down the anchor in the opposite way that the drift is going because if you take an anchor, the weight of an anchor, and you take the weight of a ship and you literally put them on a scale, the anchor is not heavier than a ship, right? The anchor is up here. A ship is going to outweigh it. So how does an anchor actually keep a ship from drifting? It it roots itself in the sand bed. And the only way to do that, it can't just drop straight in. It has to go away from the drift, away from the current, and then as the current pulls it, it gets stuck in the sand bed. And this word, fervent or earnestly, basically says this is how you stabilize yourself. This is how your religion doesn't stay religion and it stays rooted in relationship with Jesus. It's when you're stretched It's when you're loving beyond comfort. We can't separate love from the stretching part. And it says, it says, since love love covers a multitude of sins. I love this word, covers. See, the first part basically is telling us that what we're gonna do. The second part is our why, and this is super popular for entrepreneurs right now and business leaders. What's your why? You know, what is your why? You know, this is our why, folks. Since love covers a multitude of sins, our, our why, why do we do this? Because this love that we give covers, covers things. And let me give you a visual of this. It covers, like the word covers actually, let me, let me give you the exact definition because it's really, really beautiful. It's, the word covers means to wrap around as bark, as skin, as shell, or plaster, to cover up. It's funny, this word multitude actually isn't used for stuff, it's used for people, multitudes of people. And so we're getting this picture of like the reason why is because because when we do this, we are able to cover over multitudes of people's sin. And the word sin, if you're like me, comes with connotations. Immediately I think, the bad things we do, you know? But the word of God actually says, the word sin is just when we miss the mark for our lives, Jesus. When we do this, when we stretch when we're uncomfortable, when we're stabilized in the love of Jesus and outstretching that to others, we are able to cover over multitudes of people missing Jesus. This word covers, it said bark, right? And I don't know about you, but like I was raised in California 
My parents were like an hour above the redwood forest. These are like sometimes 20 you know, feet, or I don't even know. I just remember as a kid, we would, these big, huge trees, and, and, the, and the trunks were so big, you could literally drive through them, walk through them. There were stores in them and everything. And so I get this picture of covers, like you see a tree, and all you really see is the bark around it. But if you cut it like this, you see the rings, you see all the wood, but you can't see it from the outside because it's completely covered by bark. And it's only when you begin to pick the bark off that you can see what's underneath. And this is that same visual, that when we, all it takes is an inch of love to carry a multitude of people missing Jesus for their lives. And we get that opportunity. It's not any kind of love. It's a love that stretches. I love that. I think of, here's another example. If we were to take one of these spotlights and that were the love of Jesus, and he would just point that on me. I'm soaking up that ray of sunshine. I'm soaking up that love of Jesus. But the moment I take a mirror, right, and it becomes like bark, it becomes like skin over my sins, right, my missing the mark for Jesus, I take that mirror, it reflects off me and onto you, and then all of a sudden that love no, doesn't just cover me as bark, but it now covers yours and yours and yours. And as I turn it and reflect it onto other people, not only is it covering me, but it's covering all of those that I touch. And it's only this kind of love that does that. It's only this kind of love that is shocking. Let's go to verse nine. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Actually, can you throw up Proverbs 10, 12? I love this one too. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. I love this because a lot of times when I think of hospitality, I'm like, I invite people over. I like everybody. I don't have any enemies. You know, like nobody, I don't li- not like anybody. People are welcome to come over. Like, you know, I'll forget to offer them like water or something, but they're welcome to go in my fridge, do whatever. And, and I think that when we have that mindset, we miss this idea of like, it's not about whether I hate someone or whether I have an enemy and I love all people, you know, but it's about who is strange, right? Stranger, who is strange, and who is strange to us, and who don't I understand? And maybe that's a better question, is who don't I understand? Who am I struggling to find their perspective? Who do I not feel like gets it? Who do I think is ignorant or not perceptive, or they're just, you know, they're just in their own ways? Who are those? Maybe it's not the enemy. I don't have enemies. It's just the strange, right? And I think when we begin to think of who's, who do I think is strange, I just don't have time to deal with that. I've got healthy boundaries, you know what I mean? You know, it's those, it's those people. Because we're that to somebody else. You know, I'm like, I'm strange to somebody. <laughs> All right, verse nine, we'll go back to verse nine again. Show hospitality, it says. This is where we break apart the word hospitality. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. My version says without complaint. I love that because how many times do we have people over and we're like, shut the door after they're gone. We're like, well, that was exhausting. (laughs) He's basically saying, allow this to be your life. Allow this to fill you, to feed you, and to overflow out of you. Let it become a part of you. Don't do it out of grumbling or complaining. The word hospitality, as I so eloquently defined for you in the beginning, (laughs) is to show care for strangers, to welcome them into your home, even if it's a mob prank call, you know. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't think I did a very good um, example of that for you guys today, and for that I apologize and confess. And Jesus needs some prayer for me. But hospitality, one of the things that I want to pull apart here is the word stranger. And, and that's where we go back to 1 Peter 1.1. 1, 1. It's the exact same word in 1 Peter 1.1. 1, 1. It says stranger here. In my version, it says alien. It also could translate to be foreigner. There are three different kind of elements of this word that really help us to understand and the first piece of that word is basically a, um, it's, it's a connotation of a, a pulling in. This is a people group that are not in their own land, and there's a movement. Not like a transient movement, but a movement of pulling people close for rest, for purposes of rest, okay? And there's another part of this word that actually means superimposition, and I had to kind of do some research on this. What's a superimposition? Because I know what it's like to be an imposition, right? I've been that before. <laughs> or I tell my kids, we can stay for an hour after that. We don't want to impose, right? And then there's this other idea of to superimpose, to take one image, right? Videographers, photographers know this. You take another image and you superimpose it together to be one. And so when you're looking at this word stranger, alien, foreigner, this is basically someone who has been somehow in some way coming for a reason to find rest somewhere, which implies that wherever they were was not very restful. They're coming, there's a movement towards, and there's this, they're, they're kind of an imposition on people sometimes. It's kind of, it's kind of like, oh, it's kind of stretching for them and those around them. It's, it's a pulling together of things. So now when Peter is talking to this group who've been displaced, and he's saying, hey, strangers, don't forget to welcome the strangers. Don't forget to show care for the strangers. This is so important because it's easy as Christians for us to take verses that say things like they will know us by our love for one another, and we show love to Christians. And the reality is it's not just meant one another just for Christians. He's talking to the Christian who's the outcast, saying don't forget to show love for the others outside of you. There is no outside in the kingdom of God. That we are all people that God is pursuing. Stranger, without complaint. I remember, man, in my 20s, I was going through a lot, and I had this family that invited me to their house every Sunday after church. I ate with them. I watched TV with them. I played with their kids. We meal planned together for the week. We meal prepped. And I did this for years with them. And they thought they were sharing food with me. But what they really shared with me that they didn't know was what a whole and healthy marriage looked like. When we begin to be hospitable for people by sharing food, clothes, items, things, it looks very simple on the outside, but what we end up sharing is tears and love and growth and discipleship and heart change that we never expected. Hospitality is this, like I told you, this stranger that moves closer, right? And I love hospitality because this, it's, it's also generosity, but generosity can also be arm's distance away, right? We can say, I'm going to give clothes to Goodwill, which, by the way, I read an article, and they're tired of everybody sending their junk. They've asked you not to, so that's a public service announcement. Please stop sending your junk. Um, and also, you know, we go to the food bank during Thanksgiving and Christmas, and we serve the food. You know, we do... 
the things. So we know the single mom at Christmas, we send her a meal, and those are all great and beautiful, but hospitality takes that generosity and pulls it in. It says, don't send it to the stranger, bring the stranger in. It says, bring the single mom for Christmas. I remember a family that we were poor growing up, and I remember a family brought our family to their Christmas one year. It was an older couple, and they had like 12 grandkids. And me and my brother were not their grandkids, and I remember getting a crisp $20 bill and a dress-up outfit like I had never seen before. And the shocking part for me as a little girl was that it was exactly the same gift they gave all their granddaughters. My brother got the same crisp $20 bill and the wood hammer and nail kit, just like all the little boys. And it changed my life. Hospitality. It's a a generosity that pulls inward instead of sending out. Verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. This word gift is not just spiritual gifts or personality or strengths or management or leadership gifts. This word gifts also is defined by the word endowment or gratuity specifically from God. You know, we all know gratuity, it's a tip, right? Are you gonna add 18? I went somewhere last night, they said for over six people, we add gratuity 18% automatically. You guys know what I'm talking about. We know what gratuity is. And this is how it's defined because it's not just, it's not just uh, our spiritual gifts and all these things, it's our stuff. It's our home, it's our car, it's our food, it's our shelter, it's our schedules. Remember, we talked about this word superimposition. The word superimposition actually means specific to time, space, place, and order. Some of us need to let go of control of our schedules, right? Like, well, I'll, I'll invite someone over for dinner, but like, if they stay past 9.03, like, I'm gonna start opening that door. You know what I mean? Schedules. There was a gentleman who came to our church to interview for a job once, and I asked him, how did you meet Jesus? And he said, I used to come home from work every day and my neighbor would come and sit on my pickup truck and we'd drink a beer, a Coke, and we did it for years. We'd just talk for hours. And one day I said to him, I've never asked you, what do you do for a living? And he said, I'm a pastor. He said, that changed my life. I'm like, if there is a pastor who serves a God that sits with me all day long and hears everything, and it takes two years for him to say what he does for a living, I want to serve that kind of God. Our stuff. 1 Thessalonians 2.8. So we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but also our lives as well. Are we sharing our lives, our routines, our home, our food with people who are different than us? people who we wouldn't normally interact with, people who might not fill our cup and make us a better person or the best version of me. Maybe it's the person that's annoying to you. It's probably the person who's strange to you. Matthew 9, 10 says, there we go. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. Jesus hung out with the strange with the religious leaders couldn't understand. And Luke 15, one through two says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. My version says, 
Yep, my version says, um, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. This was meant as a derogatory term. This was meant to be an insult. That guy, he hangs out with the weirdos. And not only that, he uses his money to pay for food and he makes the finest of meals and he sits with them and loves on them for hours. This guy sits with the ones that, the disgusting ones, the weird ones. What if we became known as a people who ate, who sat, who shared, who lived amongst the strange ones? What if we became the people in the neighborhood where people were like, I don't know what they're doing over there on Friday nights. I can't really figure it out, but they got all kinds of people coming to that place. of Orlando, our industry, our economic industry here is hospitality. What if Oasis Horizon West Church became a place that was a, a light on a hill? What if we became a place, a city on a hill that people began to look at us and say, that church, that church brings in the stranger. That, that church has all colors, all languages, all people. That church, no matter what language, no matter how they came to America, no matter how they voted, they are welcomed and loved. That church has orphans and babies and widows. That church is different. What if we became known like Jesus was known? Not for Joanna Gaines farmhouse tables and yummy meals, which is all great, but for a people who say, you know what? We're not even gonna do Christmas this year the way we did last year because so-and-so needs a place. I lived in Nashville for a year and a half. I was ready for the hospitality. In a year and a half, I was invited to three people's homes. I spent holidays by myself. You see, the world's definition of hospitality is not changing our world. It's not shocking. You don't need another perfect birthday party or another perfect three-tiered cake with all the right stuff and the right place and the best ribs, which Marty Rogers makes the best ribs, so if you need to know him, he's the one that pulled the mic and the, mat and the guy's thing and invited you all golfing. He can do ribs, so if you're invited to his house, that would be where you would go, but I'm, I'm just throwing that out there. But if you can't make ribs, what if we were known? What if we were known for being a people that stood with those who were different, those who were strange, those we didn't understand, and we listened, and we loved, and we shared, and our generosity pulled people in and stretched us to the point to where it became uncomfortable, and the the entire definition of our lives and our love was stabilized and rooted and anchored in the uncomfortable love of Jesus Christ. Gosh, I want to be part of a church like that, don't you? Lord Jesus, You are so humbling. Your love for us and the hospitality you've shown to us has overwhelmed us, Lord Jesus. And we want to show that to the world. We want to take the strange and the stranger. We want to bring them in and share life and do love with them in the same way you have with us. Lord God, we pray that you would open our eyes to the group or the people the person who we have found to be strange or different, that you would open our eyes and bring them near and then we would do the rest by outstretching the gratuity 
and the endowment that you've given us, your good, perfect will, your love, that we can outstretch that. We pray that we become a light in a dark place and a city on a hill, Lord Jesus. That people look at us and they go, I don't know what's going on there. But those people don't cancel one another. They come close and they draw in and they love well. We praise you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Horizon West Church Podcast. If you were inspired or encouraged by something you heard today, share it with a friend. For more information like our service times, location, and other info, be sure to visit us online at horizonwestchurch.com. Have a great week.